0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast, volume 8, issue 351. And today we're going to be talking about Nex Machina. So yes, volume 8, here we are. Welcome back, everybody. Like an unstoppable and unfeeling machine, Kane and Rinse continues. And we have more podcasts coming up this year, 49 more after this one, of the main show. And you can play along with us. Some of the games we've got in the next five issues are ah, Virginia, then it'll be Gravity Rush 2. Following that, Hitman, the 2016 version. The complete series, I suppose you can call it. After that, we take a look at Street Fighter 4 and all its subsequent variations and incarnations. And then it's a much requested, relatively modern game called Near Automata. Canorince.com is the place to go. You should be able to find the full schedule there and links to all our other bits and bobs and social spaces and social media and so on and so forth you can also get every show a week earlier and in many cases at least somewhat extended in length with a like a director's cut edit than non-subscribers by just subscribing to our patreon patreon.com slash and rinse for a dollar a month unlocks all our treats currently that's about 79 pence Just under 0.9 euros. We also have a PayPal. We had a very kind donation through our PayPal this week. Somebody who doesn't want the Patreon goodies. Or maybe they do that as well. I don't know. But either way, we have a PayPal button if you want to put a tip in our virtual jar. That's also very welcome. We also have two other podcasts as if we weren't busy enough. We have Sound of Play every Wednesday and The Sausage Factory every Friday. You should subscribe to both of those as well and review and rate them wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple or other platforms. And don't forget to follow us on social media as well, because that way you'll stay informed as to what we're up to. You can also get uh, news and just odd tidbits and amusing moments with Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So here we go again. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 351, are Darren Gargett. Hello. Carl Moon.
1: Happy 2019,
0: everyone. And Mikhail Kroda. But you still won't let me save you. Uh, There's the first vocal interpretation of the year and the first firing of the year as well. That's uh, (laughs) that's delightful. Um, Yeah, you're not quite Scandinavian. You're not. I mean, you're from are you from closer to Finland than we are? My geography is terrible. Probably. Uh, Probably, yeah. But
2: not not significantly
0: closer. No, no. Uh, So, yes, Housemark made this game. The Finnish developer that was formed in the mid-90s when Bloodhouse and Terramark came together. They were sort of Amiga demo scene bods who started making games. They made games like Stardust and they still were making games like Stardust until quite recently. And they made Resogun, which we covered in the last volume. And this was their kind of twin stick shooter Robotron kind of tribute. And they even got the man after having got Eugene Jarvis, the man behind Robotron 2084 and Defender on board for some of the Resogun DLC. They actually baked him into this one as a creative consultant. And I think it's fair to say it shows. So, yeah, uh, previous podcast to listen to would be our Kane of Lynch issues on both Robotron 2084 and Resogun. Gun. Uh, Harry Kruger Kruger Kruger,
1: Kruger directed the
0: game. The Kruger, yeah. <laughs> let's say Kruger. Uh, directed the game and it was released on PlayStation 4 and this time on PC because for the first time in the modern era Housemark self-published rather than had Sony publish for them and uh, the game came out on the day before my birthday 2017 20th of june that is as if you didn't know and that's uh yeah about a year and a half ago now the game reviewed really rather well the average review score on ps4 was 88.62 percent from 30 reviews 86 percent just under on the pc but not many reviews for that one just six outlets even deigned to review the pc version for whatever reason. But the accolades were forthcoming. Uh, the game was nominated for PlayStation Game of the Year at the Golden Joystick Awards, Best PC Game uh, for Destructoids Game of the Year Awards, Best Action Game for IGNs, Best of oh. 2017, also nominated for Visual Design and Music Design at the 2018 Developer Awards. And it won the award for Best Indie Action Game at Game Informer's uh, 2017 Action Game of the Year Awards, Big Screen Game of the Year 2017, and Finish Game of the Year 20, that is as in games made in Finland at the Finnish Game Awards. Um, So there you go. That's all according to Wikipedia anyway. Steam reviews are very positive from users to this day. And on Push Square, PlayStation dedicated site, the game has an 8.7 rating. But again, only from a handful of people because not many people bought it. One thing I want to cover before we start uh, talking about our histories with the game. I think uh, after that positive response to the game, I think it's important to acknowledge that not everyone loves this game. It's not a case of everyone who bought it and played it fell in love with it, but just not enough people bought it. Because let's hear from Stanshal from the forum. I feel like I fundamentally don't get Nex Machina, despite being a big fan of twin stick shooters, including Housemark's own Super Stardust Ultra, I find little to enjoy here visually i find it aggressively busy to a fault to me twin stick shooters are about identifying space blowing a hole through the enemy wave and then occupying that space it's about moving from one safe zone to the next and manipulating the angle of attack in nex machina i find that smaller enemies are often obscured by a shower of voxels and so when i attempt to shoot my way through a wave i often die while the dash is obviously the expected solution to this the point remains that the visual effects undermine my own ability to read the game the indistinct 3d environments must also share some responsibility here i can't count the number of times when i tried to dash through a block which i thought was the floor or against an invisible wall which was a little gap in the arena perhaps it's just finally time to get my eyes tested but i do find the environments fiddly and confusing The dash mechanic highlights my other main issue with Nex Machina. With the score multiplier being linked to saving humans, it feels much less like a shmup than an action puzzle game. In fact, it most reminds me of Mr Shifty or Hotline Miami or Judge, where you will die and restart repeatedly until you learn the correct order and timing to dash from one point to the next. There's no momentum, it all feels so bitty to me. Now I'm well aware that this puzzle game criticism is pretty rich coming from a massive fan of Ikaruga, but I simply don't find it satisfying here at all. As with Rezagun, the time pressure and focus on saving the humans only detracts from the enjoyment of wiping out enemies and manipulating space. While the comparison might seem unusual, it reminds me of how Hyrule Warriors gradually moves away from the pure arcade pleasure of annihilating the hordes and controlling the environment and begins to introduce similar plate-spinning elements which only make the game more stressful and less fun. It may well be that I'm simply looking for Nex Machina to do something it never intended to, but as a shooting game it doesn't satisfy me at all. Now the reason I bring that relatively critical post up early on is uh, is not to put a down on things just as a counter to those excellent reviews and I suspect the more positive feedback we're going to hear throughout the rest of the show from both us and uh, the rest of our contributors but uh, valid points one and all and um, yeah I think some of those criticisms even those of us who like the game will perhaps lean into when we when we come to break down what we like and dislike about the game but let's start in the traditional fashion with our own histories with the game. obviously this is a really quite recent game for us to cover and there's only a couple of formats on which to play it so uh, but I suppose we can go into how much we've played it. I can certainly I haven't uh, written down everyone's scores, but I know I know who's better at it <laughs> than, than others. actually, I should say the best player among the entire Kane and Rince team is not on the show that's Sean he has got <laughs> mm. he has got the best scores on the leaderboards mm-hmm. but probably after him. It's uh well, it's it's between me and Darren, I would say. But Darren, uh did you get this as soon as it came out? I can't quite remember.
3: I think I got it the day after it came out because the word of mouth was just very, very positive. And yes. I enjoyed Resogun to a point. I've never really, I've never really been into the the genre of you know arcade shootery, twin sticky business. Uh, but I do believe games like The Binding of Isaac um, kind of trained me to become better at these kind of games. And you know, uh, playing Nex Machina recently, I've Found that I'm actually not half bad, but yeah, I bought it on the twenty first of June. I must have had some birthday money kicking around because you know it's nearly my. I just had my thirty fourth birthday then, I guess. And um yeah, I picked it up plus one. If you know what I mean, day after plus one. So um yeah, twenty first of June according to my trophies. And I played it for on rookie and then left it for ages. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and then you know this podcast came around, so I I tried again on experienced. uh, Went for all the worlds individually. Experienced cleared them all. Built up the confidence to go for it on arcade and I smashed my head against the wall. Well, actually, I went through <laughs> arcade experience. I had, well, I, I didn't lose a, cre- a continue up until the architect. Yeah. And then my wife and her dad came walking through the door going, video games. And I, I lost all concentration, <laughs> God, I hate lost a continue. And I was like, all right, l- Lufa's on in a minute. I get it. All right? But I was, there's like a, there's a barrage of pink skulls coming my way. Can you just, and I was yep. like, nope, calm down, pause the game put it in mm. rest mode and come back tomorrow, you know, let's not...
2: Where okay. they're saying, pew, 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 pew. <laughs>
3: they're like, what the hell's going on? It's just a bunch of pink on the screen, isn't it? And I was like... Yeah, but I, I, was, I was really in the like, in that flow state, you know, that Zen mode oh, that you, like, you like, I really zone. get. Yeah. yeah, And I lost all five, you know, extra lives because you get extra lives by playing. And um, yeah, I found it not as challenging as, as I thought I would. Um, mm. Yeah, and then I went through and I beat one, oh, the Supreme AI, which is the one that, oh God, I, yeah, I lost about 30, 40 continues on that the next yeah. day. And and then I realised there was another boss after that, which I was pretty sure I was never going to get to. Um, But yeah, overall, yeah, I think I've done all right.
0: You certainly have. Yeah. Uh, Carl, when did you pick this up and how much have you played it?
1: I picked this up the first day it came out. It was something that I knew I had to buy. Anyone who's listened to the Resogun episode will know what I thought of that game. Uh, As a result, I had to have... Uh, House Max next title. I know it's something that uh, I spoke with prior to its release with yourself, Leon, about how excited we were about it. How it mm. very much falls into that Robotron twenty eighty four sort of mold of shooter, which I absolutely adore. With the um,
0: creator of that absolute seminal classic on board, I mean, how much more excited helpful. i mean, we be, yeah.
1: it, it really is kind of cool, isn't it? For you know, yeah. for for people like us who absolutely adore, you know, the impact that the retro games have had and you love the studio that the the help him with, and you like that. It's just kind of that perfect dream match. And we know that House are really strong, and I was super excited. I love that visual style that it went for. You know the voxel style of uh, Resogun blew me away. Um, so I had to go and buy it. It had to be the PS4 that I bought it with. Uh, bought it on. Um, I do actually game share on PS4 with a friend who had zero interest. He was like, "What's next, Machina?" Yeah. I was like, oh, all right, mm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um annoyingly, this person who never plays this genre of game actually has one CC'd experienced mod. Yeah. Um <laughs> just to really <laughs> annoy me that yeah. it's not even his genre and he's managed to do it. Um we get too
2: caught up in it,
1: you know. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, I absolutely hammered it out on casual when it first came out. Um in the period of July. Uh, I took over my pe- I was living with my parents at the time. Uh, I took over their living room, hammered it constantly, always going for the perfect run, which, it you know, I have that same mentality that uh, I believe James has with something like Hitman, where if the slightest thing goes wrong, it's right, okay, start, restart. Um, And that's kind of not the way to go <laughs> because you never get anything done. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: you kind of need to stay in there to get practised at the, the bits yeah, that you, you're failing at, don't you? But I, I have the same... Itch sometimes
1: uh, and that definitely um in the summer of 2017 is kind of where I sat with this so it kind of annoys me that my score isn't that good because I never actually pushed through um even though I absolutely hammered the game like I put a, a ridiculous amount of time into it so um yeah it, in it's something that I absolutely hit very very hard in that summer um and then kind of life got in the way and i would never been able to re- well, I just I've had chances to return to it. I've just had other things on with yeah. podcast and life and so forth. So I came back to it for this, realized I'd never actually finished Experienced, which genuinely shocked me because I could have sworn that I did. Um, even to the point that I knew I'd fought a different boss, right. which you only get on experience. So I, I don't really know what happened, whether it was offline or what, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so I came back to it uh, towards the end of 2018. And it's incredibly difficult to get back into the flow of something that you've not really hit for 18 months. This kind of Um, game, yeah. Yeah, and I had a different appreciation. Like, I enjoyed the game, but I couldn't quite fall in love with it like I did in 2017 for a long period of time, whereas it was instant back then. But, Mm. yeah, Mm -hmm. it's certainly something that I would say I've had two periods of my life with it. Once at launch that summer where I loved it, and then obviously revisiting it again prior to this podcast. Yeah. not that I don't like it both times, which you know my enthusiasm for the genre is always going to shine through. I just definitely see it in a, an equally good way, just slightly different. yeah <laughs> but I did return to it for this for this podcast. actually finished off experienced mode um just to make sure because it's something that I wanted to do before we spoke about it on this this episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a game I've put a lot of time into.
0: Mikil, I think you have it on PC. You're probably the, the one of us who has it on PC rather than PS4.
2: Yeah, me and Joshua Garaty have it on uh, PC because okay. uh, yeah, I, I see him as one of the few people on my f- uh, Steam friend list who. who it does have the uh,
0: cross-platform well. leaderboards.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It has mm. cross-platform leaderboards, but I can't see where you guys are because We're of course there's up. no there's no friend system. Uh oh, There's yeah. no shared friend <laughs> system, so yeah. it it mean, means only for for the ranking, you know. And I was I wanted to ask you actually what what are your scores on uh, on there. I haven't got
0: them written down. I'm oh, in the. I
1: couldn't tell you off the top of my head. No, um, I know my friends is two hundred and one million. Right, I think uh, yeah. I think. Sean
0: Sean's got a three hundred million score on the um on experienced. I think mine might be two hundred something. Okay. Um, I'm I'm hundred and ten mil. Yeah. On there. I think that Darren's is between me and Sean, Carl's somewhere lower for the aforementioned yeah. reasons. And I thought um, I was
2: uh I was uh useless at the game, but it turns no. out I'm no, I'm number fourteen hundred seven in the world with with yeah. shared leaderboards, which is which is not too yeah. bad. We've
0: know? got some uh, there's some people on my friends list who are even higher, although Sean Sean O'Brien of this parish is very high up on most of them. We've got uh, Camille Sub Zero who we're gonna hear from in the podcast who's, uh, who, was, who joined us for the Rezagun show and got very into this one as well. So he's got some super impressive scores. And then there's a few friends of mine who are kind of high-score savants, basically. People I've befriended over the years of being involved in gaming and podcasts who are just high-score gods and who can yeah, tear these games apart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my history with the game is I, I uh, got a PR release for it press release and i said can i have a code and because i was so excited about it i decided to review this one myself and i bought the uh, game based on on your review it was uh i mean it was written like pretty much on the day of or the day after first started playing it um i guess i guess i got it a few days ahead of release and i was instantly smitten so it was a very very positive review yeah. um and i've been playing it on and off ever since really obviously you do tend to have periods away because obviously we've been playing all the Resident Evil games and all the Final Fantasy games and sometimes even a game like this isn't necessarily the kind of thing you want to use as a wind down or a palate cleanser because it is so very intense and serious but
2: yeah you need to get into this one I actually played it like Carl uh, very intensively uh, during the time of its release and then I also sort of got burned out on it and I just recently picked it back up again A reason, other than your review, uh, that I got into it was also I came off hot of the Robotron 2084 uh, recording for the the Kinder podcast, and I discovered that I'm not as useless at twin twin stick shooters as I uh, thought I would be. And since it has such a direct lineage, I was very eager to try it out as well.
0: Absolutely. So... There is a scenario and a story. I can't say I've ever paid too much attention to it. I mean, there's certainly strong implications of rogue AIs and robots taking over. You play a little shiny silver dude with a helmet on who arrives on a motorcycle or a hover bike. I can't quite tell. And that's it. That's all I needed to know. (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) Shoot robots. Rescue humans. This is a a game uh, in the mold of old school arcade games. Yeah, uh, it's it's I,
2: very much a robot from 2084 all over
0: again. Uh, yeah, so the robots sure. have taken over and the last humans need to be saved. So the game runs on a significantly enhanced version of the game engine and voxel technology, volumetric pixels, of course, basically cubes of little cubes of polygons, I suppose, are they? Uh, maybe there's more to it than that. that was, it was the engine that was used for Resogun anyway. Uh, so the studio dubbed the art style Cable Punk, which they say is a darker tale on cyberpunk a darker take i should say on cyberpunk uh, Sub Zero, the aforementioned from the forum says visually speaking i think next machina is a very impressive game that perfectly taps into the colorful neon lit cyberpunk aesthetics of the 80s i found the color palette ever so slightly overwhelming at first but quickly adjusted to it over the course of my later playthroughs the visibility is excellent obviously that's in contrast to the earlier post we featured, even if not quite on the sky-high level of purity of Resogun, mostly due to the ubiquitous floor textures and the presence of fully three-dimensional objects on and around every stage.
3: Me and the visuals of this game, I don't even see the visuals unless something's blowing up in my face. (laughs) Honestly, I'm so focused on trying to not die or get to the end of the room that I don't even see what's going on. It's kind of... The game might as well just be like, you know, like written in ASCII or something, and yeah. I'd, I'd have the same amount of enjoyment because it's all about the gameplay for me with this. Mm. Now, when I do take a step back and I look at the visuals, it doesn't do a lot for me anyway. I like the pink contrast, you know, from the enemy fire, and that yeah. is like, you know, that's obviously done on purpose to highlight there's enemy fire coming your way, and when there's like a bit of black twisted in the pink lasers, you know, you can't dodge through that, and it's quite clever, you know, all that stuff is going on, but ultimately... I just, I just, it, it looks a bit like 3D.game heroes, but really, really fast. And it looks yeah. like gun when things blow up. And I, I just, it just goes by. And then before you know it, you're like on World 6 and you're like, on World 5. And you're like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't even remember what World 4 looks like. I think and it's you haven't office. blinked.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. To to expand on that, on the, the readability, all enemies are, uh, have a red neon shade on them. Uh, yeah. yeah the, the, like you said, the the bullets are uh are colored in pink and then you got your depend if you're player 1 you're and with the stock outfit you have this bluish uh hue around you and and, and blue is bluish accents and then the humans are all green then the, you got the the weapon pickups and everything so everything that is of uh yeah that you need to read is is there very distinct distinctively colored you say they're taking a step back if you take a step back and you watch a recording of your your own gameplay for example or you watch somebody else uh, play it on youtube or uh, on on twitch you see how much incredible detail there is in the stages Uh, a particular favorite of mine uh aesthetically is the second to last world with its uh, sort of uh, yeah, Blade Runner, rain, uh, neon sign, uh, cityscape uh, mm. uh, aesthetics. Uh, so I think the the game is visually very busy. There's a lot going on. Uh, sure, yes. It's not the most uh, exemplary example of uh, a readable chaotic game, mm. but it's uh, it. I don't. Th- yeah, I don't have the same issues with it as uh, Stancho had. Has, but it does happen sometimes especially with my playing style which is getting all in the, in a mix and getting into the thick of it where I sort of lose sight of my character sometimes and I'm not you know I uh, I can't yeah. see that, it, that I just came out of a dash and then I'm vulnerable and all of a sudden some something small got me. The bu- the bullets uh never take me by surprise or the bigger enemies but the smaller enemies can t- definitely yeah, take me by su- surprise yeah. uh,
0: when I yeah clouds of clouds of voxels flying upwards when you blow up a big enemy can obscure your vision there's no getting around that and it reminds me a little of the successor Eugene Jarvis's successor to. Robotron Smash TV which also had yeah. the occasional uh, you know thing flying up in the air but normally it was your eyeballs. <laughs> eyeballs. Yeah, so it was it was you it was already too late but uh, yeah. yeah there there were there were some visibility issues with with Smash TV compared to the, uh, the original very stark Robotron. Two things I want to say about the visuals one on on a technical level is that the game when you play it on rookie and experienced uh, it plays incredibly fast and hectic but as you work as you go up the rankings and there's also the extra modes where the game runs at a much faster lick still there are there are these specific modes where you can go in and the game runs at it feels like it's on you know like three times four times five times fast forward and the game still doesn't drop a frame as far as i can tell it's uh like on that level it's incredibly impressive how many enemies and voxels can be on the screen Incredible technical mastery yeah, uh yeah, totally. Um but on an artistic level, I think it's uh, uh, c- to contradict myself slightly. I think it's a game that's easy on the eye in one sense in that the colors are nice, the the details are cool, um but it's not easy on the eye in the sense that it is actually it can actually be kind of a, a an eye melter like I say but the the nature of the game is that you don't blink for long periods, your your blink rate drops right down and that means that your eyes don't produce as much uh, moisture, so you end up getting blurry vision and you get sore eyes, and it's it's that kind of game. And I mean, the in a way, that sort of experience is testament to it. But in another way, it's actually it's not a game that you necessarily want to sit down to just chill out with. <laughs> like no, you can. I was some... I was
2: playing for two hours straight today, and I had to take a painkiller after that.
0: Yeah, so there you go. Got a seriously
2: yeah. pounding pounding headache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. And the other thing I wanted to say about the graphics is that while i think yeah like sometimes i just uh, i'll leave the attract mode running to remind me of you know what a cool game it is like i don't i'm not in love with the graphics but i think it looks cool um I don't think it looks good in screenshots at all. This game, yeah. and I think that probably partly contributed. I know video is, a, is obviously is an important part of game marketing these days. They release a nice little actual um, animation, like two D cell animation. Uh, there's there's some some of this uh, quite simple cell animation between uh, at the start and the end of the game as well. But they they did a kind of arcade homage as as the launch trailer. And the game the game in video obviously looks like the game, and even then, if you haven't played it or if you're not familiar with the genre it looks a bit hectic and chaotic and yeah what's going on but I think probably one of the biggest problems with getting this game into people's and we know it's sold disappointingly is the fact that I think screenshots of this game don't do it any justice at
1: all no it's a game of feel rather than visual appeal you know you, you put it in someone's hands and they feel what that game is like to move around in
0: but also the the motion like when it's in motion, there's so much, you know, so much going on, yeah, incidental animations yeah. and and, and the enemies. It might just be weapons.
2: that there is, uh, if you look at still screenshot there's just too much to take in all at once. There, you don't, you know, you can't make real sense of it in, in still yeah. shots because of detail on everything being so crazy. Rather it either than, looks rather than there, yeah, uh, you could say that, uh, rather than there being a conscious, conscious, uh, choice of where to add detail and where to leave it out everything mm. is just detailed to almost a fault you could say i guess if you take that approach to it mm.
0: and i think Resogun may have had the same issues but of course timing is, is so important with these things it, it came out on the ps4 launch and it was given away with ps plus so kind of everyone got it in their hands and some people loved it some people probably just yeah. didn't care about it much at all but at least people got to play it whereas in this case obviously it was you have to go buy it if you want it um it yeah, is and, now in
2: Resogun, there is a very clear distinction between the uh the playing field and what's too. just background elements and here yeah. you are in the background elements you yes. know? you're part of the you're you're yeah, walking yeah. through the background elements yeah
0: yeah and again because it's top down we haven't actually said but anyone who's followed the genre and what we're talking about yes it's a twin stick shooter top down same perspective as Robotron and binding of isaac even is that uh, a lot of the kind of stuff that's happening is yeah it's kind of if you just take a still screenshot there's a lot of kind of visual debris and uh carnage that's kind of kicking off all around the place and yeah if if you if you take a shot halfway through of you shooting through a wave of enemies you are just going to see a kind of mess of pixie uh, voxels sorry just kind of spread um but if you take a if you take a shot of alien uh, sorry the robots coming towards the guy you just got a fairly bog standard looking game and i, I yeah either way yeah. i don't think it's sell i don't think there's a there's a way to sell it unless you just fall in love with the that cyberpunk cablepunk neon aesthetic
2: yeah but i think i, I think there is a visual appeal to this game because if you let's say you would replace the graphics by you know low budget indie Flash game character Oh, art, sh- yeah, sure. Then yeah, yeah. I think it would really lose a, a huge chunk of its Oh, appeal. completely, it uh, yeah. The, it yeah. is a technical mastery and a visual flourish that sort of pulls you into this game and, and and adds to the way it feels. Yeah, sure.
3: The only bit that really looks cool to me, it kind of fits in with the scenario as well. But like, especially in the first world, the guy seems to be, when you clear a level,
2: the
0: guy, I assume it's a guy.
2: Is,
3: it's
0: um, a, let's say it's a dude, but it could yeah. be a male dude or a female well, you, dude. You
2: can actually... Uh, bigger uh, as a female model as well. Oh, you can. What? Yeah. Oh, that's good. If you go into the options, yeah.
0: I completely forgot oh, no. oh. about yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um, that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the human on the hover bike slash motorbike. And um, when they clear a level, uh, they bounce from like side to side of what seems to be like a giant shape or like a giant, yeah, uh, like a 10-sided dice or something. I wish they'd have kind of leaned into that a bit more with, from a more attractive viewpoint for the consumer. Like, uh, I know Captain Hindsight is always correct, but I like I, I do Jamie like it when he bounces from side to side yeah. or she bounces from side to side and it kind of gives you the flip round. Like, they should have played more on that to kind of sell the game. I know it, it would be more of a bull shot, you know. It wouldn't be a, a true representation of the game. But, you know, just, yeah. just lean into what actually, like is actually to me pretty exciting about the the level transitions yeah Yeah. 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 the level transitions
2: are amazing I actually wanted to talk about that as well as part of the graphics because and I almost forgot about it when I started playing it again this week it's like you got the worlds with their themes but they're Mm. all sort of built like uh MC Escher or Mario Galaxy right, type yeah. of type yeah. of things yeah. where you sort Just of bounce around, around the corner from one bro- another yeah b- build around the corner and you mm. f- and you flip around and you fly around and your little dude or do that fires up a jetpack to m- move uh to the next bit mm. um and of course there's also sort of the the s- the li- the little bits before the uh, final bosses or for the bosses of each level where you sort of go behind your character for a little while. Mm. Yeah, sort of over yeah. the shoulder
0: very ter- yeah. yeah briefly.
1: Yeah. I do think it is a tough sell though, isn't it? In terms yeah. of visual appeal, like you said, from screenshots. And it is something that can have a big impact. Obviously, voxels is something that I do actually find incredibly attractive. Um, there's a lot of games that have that kind of visual appeal to me. But to a lot of people, it can turn them off. And I, I know we should say that people should be open because it's all creative freedom and stuff, and that, that's all well well to do and whatnot. But Braid is a prime example, so that's a game that's won countless awards, and I cannot get away with and play with it because that visual style does nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And I think if I was purely judging Next Machina by screenshots, I'd look at it and go, it looks a bit average, like, that is that really what we're expecting? Like, I understand it's like a, perhaps a retro style, but even then, does it capture the charm of a retro style? But then you see it in motion, you go, oh, okay, I can see the hybrid of retro and new and voxels and uh, visual effects. And you get all these things that you only ever see when it's kind of in motion or that you kind of only get to partially see because really the only times that you actually get to take in the world is as michael was talking about that transition from level to level that's the bit where and, and we're only talking one to two seconds but that's where you just yeah you know you you gain focus again of the whole screen and you look at the world you go oh that's quite cool hmm. and cool. then back into that sort of manic rush around and there's kind of a crazy hectic beauty to the whole game that is never once ever sold in a single screenshot no. it, it is really bizarre
0: so uh yeah obviously another huge part of this and certainly something that i fell for instantly uh, was the soundtrack uh we talked about the sound design in Resogun of course Ari Pulkanen returns uh, with also some tracks from Thomas Nikinen and Harry Kruger himself wrote the uh, the final boss music, I believe, multi talented. Uh, so I really like this particular EDM pulse pounding, slightly retro soundtrack. Uh, for me, it just it's it just fits the pace and the rhythm of the game absolutely perfectly mm. all the way through, and I still get. I still get a buzz when certain transitions kick in. Um, I love some of the boss tunes when they kick in at the end of oh, the so s- settings, uh, end of the levels as well. So, uh, yeah, it's like it's not necessarily that each of the worlds has a particularly, um, I mean, I'd know them all if I heard them, but it's not, it's not necessarily the kind of music that I come away humming mm. uh, necessarily. It's not so much about the melodies, although there are some nice sort of chord sequences and stuff. It's about the overall... Kind of um, palette, I think. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a it's a cracking set of tunes for me.
1: I think it's genuinely, and I said the same thing about Resogun. I think it's absolutely masterful yeah. um, in in how it handles its music. It's the I'd love to say perfect because <laughs> it's a ridiculously lazy term to use, but it is the ideal combination of score and visual feedback. So it's just it, it's laid back enough that it's not a distraction, but it's aggressive enough that it ties in with what's happening on mm. the screen, mm-hmm. and it it changes it up just enough every time that it, every time a new piece kicks in, particularly with the bosses, you're very aware of it for that piece, mm. and it keeps that whole rhythm of what you're doing. So, yeah. and it fits
2: it fits in the neon uh, lit aesthetic to a T mm. as well.
1: Perfect. Yeah
3: yeah yeah you're saying it's um relaxed, but also like heart pounding That's exactly how I thought about it, but I didn't realize I knew that's what I felt about it i mm. The music to me is just like yeah, it's there in the game, and I hear it much like the visuals. it's kind of there to feed me through the game, and I don't really notice it but when when you said that Carl, it's like yeah actually, like you you feel like this like this bass pounding beat in the background that keeps you going and but the tune on top of it is kind of just you know it's there, and it's flowing along top of it. It's really clever. Um, But the main theme at the start, like that, genuinely, when I was psyching myself up to take on this supreme AI, I was actually on my sofa, kind of (laughs) psyching myself up to this tune. I think it's (laughs) a really good tune; it really gets you going. Like, I was like uh, fist clenching, and I was like, "Right, I'm going to do this now." And that tune was really like getting me, yeah, um, agitated for a fight. Um, And then I heard it with lyrics, and I was like, "Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) What did they do?" It it reminds me of this is going to be obscure. But it reminds me of Dead Mouse, right? He made, he wrote a song called "Ghosts and Stuff," and hmm. then someone sang over it. I think his name's Rob something or other. And I was like, "What are you doing?" The, the <laughs> tune was great as an instrumental, and fair enough. Like you are, you know, you you're a professional and you're singing over songs and stuff. But for my personal tastes, um, when I've heard a song so many times, or you know, in this case, yeah, you know, a fair few times, as instrumental, and then someone sings over it with some lyrics that I never even thought were possible, it kind of just the they're a bit the nuts
0: and uh yeah it's got that uh that sort of s- slightly uh, quaint scandinavian but in english thing um but yes uh sammy hacks hakala sings the song there's actually a music video out there for it as well um yeah i i thought it was i thought it was really good i mean the lyrics are very silly but i i think it's rather charming the fact that this game's got an, an end song Simon Sloth from the forum says the soundtrack is phenomenal, and I agree that the main theme song, Let Me Save You, is the highlight. In fact, it is my second most listened to song in 2018 on my Spotify account. So there you go. The lyrics are especially poignant, given Housemark have stopped making arcade games, as mentioned by Camille in the Arcade is Dead article, more of which later in this podcast. Everybody's gone away from arcade now, and unfortunately, not even Housemark could save it. So obviously the other element of the audio are the spot effects. And I suppose the sound that one hears if you've been score chasing on Nex Machina above all others, the general cacophony of shooting and blasting is the human combo um, sound that gets higher and higher the, higher, the, the more you keep it um, going. Yeah. And that for me is, is the real uh, sort of endorphin hook. Mm. You just don't want to let that chime that very simple yeah. little diddly do, beautifully yeah. um, rendered. You don't want to let it drop in pitch. I, I'm not actually sure how high it gets up to, but I know there's a trophy or achievement on Steam in the game for getting a times 50 human combo, which I've yet to get. I uh, got but that I think, one. Oh, nice. I think I've come close. I think maybe I've yeah. got up to like 48, but um, I think the sound stops getting higher at a certain stage, but <laughs> but yeah. it, you just uh, want to It goes up
2: in pitch ridiculously. Uh, yeah. at one point. Another thing that... I, another sound that I really identify with the game is the, uh, is the end of level dash as well, when you clear a stage. Yes, and you da- when the circle closes in on you and you dash at that moment, you get the, the thousand uh, mm. bonus point extra. I know, and, and little... that's
0: such a funny little quirk that there's yeah. an achievement for that as well. Uh, it it describes it as the end of level mini game, and I was like, end of level mini game, <laughs> uh, like what is there like a hidden Space Invaders or something? I don't know, yeah. but no, it is literally just doing one last dash uh, out of like the It's like a micro game from Mario,
3: isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. I wanted Whatever to say. <laughs> Yeah. And imagine
0: um, imagine if you were on a high sc- a proper high score chase and you had like 350 million and you missed out on top of the leaderboard or whatever because you yeah. you failed the 1000 point dash at the end of the level how oh. gutting would that be
3: <laughs> so that, that all of that just keeps you f- going for that game doesn't it like it's never a slow moment in that really like there's yeah. always something to do at anyone's time It's never time. a lull and, You just get yeah. a breath
0: during those level transitions which are visually thrilling in themselves so you're mm. you're never on a downtime the thing i noticed sorry to keep butting in is um when i was playing earlier today every time between levels i noticed that my toes were up in the air do you know what i mean <laughs> because like a super like obviously you're sitting still as a gamer and uh you know fairly still and the only sort of outlet for my tension about keeping the combo going and keeping alive was The tension in my toes. So my toes were just pointing to the ceiling after every level. And I was like, chill, you know, chill, relax, relax, toes. It's fine. We're going to be okay. And then by the end of the next level, there they were pointing at the ceiling again. Anyway,
1: it is a strange effect. I mean, um, probably the most notable game for ever doing that kind of unconscious behavior was Trials, uh, where I would always hold my breath. Oh, yeah. Uh, But there'd be some levels where I'd be exhausted because I keep holding my breath. Yeah, you need oxygen.
0: Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I don't even realise I'm doing (laughs) it. And yeah, I suppose it's the same kind of automatic trend of you just tours I mean I guess you could be digging them into the carpet you could be lifting them up There's now there was things, a game yeah. I could
0: get nowhere near you on the leaderboards for to be fair
2: when, when I play uh, Mushi Masama Futari uh, by Cave on the yeah. uh, 360 I ha- have like this ritual where I s- need to sit really close to the screen yes in like a, a lo- lotus position and then sort of rock f- back and forth slightly <laughs> while playing <laughs> like a, just to like keep a, my focus you know if I don't do like that my focus is going to, uh, yeah. uh, to let go of me yeah or you yeah. get
0: somebody come in and start, yeah, doing what happened to to Darren. And that is, yeah, <laughs> this, this is the thing that non-gamers don't understand. I mean, right. yeah. yeah. They
2: just don't go, understand.
0: And they never
3: going will. Forward, going yeah. forward with this genre, I'm going to strap myself to the ceiling and swing backwards and forwards. So, <laughs> so if anyone walks in, they're not even going to bother coming in and go, what the hell is he doing? Do it, on it. Let's leave him alone. Be, <laughs> be in the nudie pops
0: as well. Then a, they'll, yeah. they'll leave you well alone. Um, where that, were we? Sound so, effects. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, another thing about the sound effects is that everything that needs a sound cue has one. So, yes. uh the 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 moment when you're when your dash is ready again, when your the cooldown period of uh, your dash is finished has a little sound cue. Yeah. Uh, the, human in danger. Uh, your sub weapon being ready for use again has a has a little sound cue. Yeah, human in danger. Everything has it. So, I think that's really solid design. Yeah, but the only thing is that there's just so much going so much. on sound-wise and visually that even though everything has a proper sound cue, yeah. things get lost in the shuffle.
0: And actually, wow. we didn't talk about the the on-screen stuff, although you kind of quickly, your brain learns to filter out what you do and don't need to see, there is a ton of stuff going on on screen, as well as the actual you and the enemies. You've also got arrows pointing to things that you need. You've Mm. got arrows pointing off the screen to pickups and humans. You've got uh, various score indicators. You've got a pass. I mean, the the power-up thing to the bottom left, like showing which of the the set of power-ups you've got is one of the most redundant things. I mean, it needs to be there (laughs) in the sense that... Something should tell you other than just trying it out, but how often, like, do you ever get time to move your eyes that far away, especially on a large screen? Um, yeah. I wish I did a, today
2: because I, I lost my sub weapon, which I had no idea uh, that, yeah, of. That... and then, uh. All of a sudden, yeah, I, I got caught with my pants down, so to speak. That's
0: happened actually, yeah. That's... If
2: I would have, if I would have glanced down uh, at my
3: indicator, yeah. I would have
2: realized
0: that I wouldn't if you have. If can remember where it, where it yeah. goes, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's true, that's true. Yeah. one of uh,
3: my favourite noises from this game is, um, I think it's when you rescue all the humans. The lady voice says, "All humans saved." Yes, like, yeah. that's so cute. Like, I, that, that just gets me every time. Like, it's I don't a know, tradition. It's like, um, yeah, I, I like I say, me in this uh, the genre and house mark. I guess I don't really have a lot of um you know, that much of affection to understand the the rules across all House Mark games if that's a if that's a thing. But in yeah. this one it's just like all humans saved. And like, it's just yeah. the F instead of a V interaction saved. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah. just it's just really like I say, it's really endearing. Yeah. Human lost. That's such a heartbreaking thing oh, to hear. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and the one where the visitors, where you've missed one of the visitors and they go off the screen and you get that noise. Yeah. Oh.
3: <laughs> Awful. That, that's a good noise. Um, the visitors are the chain of them, right? On the, yeah. Like yeah, uh, yeah. swooping around well, yeah, like the Gallagher you, sort of type. Yeah, thing, oh, yeah. When you start destroying them in, you know, bits and bobs and it kind of it escalates. Doesn't that it, ramps up noise? as well. Yeah.
0: There's so much of that, and it's all just tickling those little pleasure centres in your brain, but it is that juggle uh, that is, I think, yeah, the the sound part of it. Like, I don't think I've played this game with the sound off. I wouldn't want to play... I would think you'd lose a lot of Mm. uh, information, wouldn't you, if you were playing this with the sound off?
1: Absolutely. I would genuinely struggle to play it because, as I mentioned earlier, with kind of the whole rhythm of that's the beat that I play to, if I had no sound... I'd have no reference, mm. uh, yeah. so I'd struggle to fall into a cadence for that. And I, I think without that, mm. I'd be beyond useless.
0: Yeah, I remember saying uh, that although I fundamentally quite like the soundtrack to Resogun, there were long periods where I was playing it without for the the improved sort of clarity of sound effect information that i was getting from the game and also just to, for that slightly more spacey kind of lonely atmosphere that i guess reminded me of playing games like defender and drop zone back in the day which didn't have constant soundtrack but here with next Machina i would never turn the music off because uh-huh. it's part of the like you say it's it's so integral to the actual momentum of playing that game it just feels absolutely baked into me
2: yeah yeah. In uh, in Robotron 2084 the podcast episode we talked about design sound design in that game. Yeah. And it's almost in that game there is no soundtrack but it's almost as if all the sound effects uh, sound effects uh, create creates a bit of a sort of a soundscape at least or yes. a soundtrack together with the level yeah. transitions uh
0: as well and legendary sounds in Robotron. Yeah. So let's talk about controlling the little dude or dudette. Uh I think this is Probably the element that struck me the first and still does at points. I don't. I can't recall a game where I've felt so connected to controlling a little dude or dudette in a game. the The level of response I get from the DualShock Four in this game, and I'm. This is another reason, actually. I'm glad I play this on that particular machine. I know I could obviously hook up my DualShock Four to the uh, PC, but but generally I have a 360 controller in there. But it feels like this game was designed. With that particular controller in mind, those particular sticks, and I just, I just feel like the control on on your character is just so precise. The only issues were, as mentioned before, for me, the occasional getting stuck on on a wall, like dashing into a wall. But that's more about that's not really a control issue so much as it's a visual issue. Um, but the actual like the ability to just tweak this little guy between bullets and yeah. Uh, just nip and dart. Like the the response on 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 the character is just for me. It's just pristine. I I can't think of I can't think how they could have made it more sort of responsive and and appropriate to the to the type of action.
1: No, I mean I can say in a lot of hours, lot of deaths across multiple difficulties. I couldn't say that any of my deaths were ever a result of the controls or game failing me. I could only ever blame it on either my pool placement or I've just made a, a mistake yeah. and moved in, it moved into a bullet. And it's rare I can say that on something that's as intense as this game is, that the game has never let me down in terms of the tightness of its controls. Not the controls. All this human error. There are the
2: rare visibility issues that I, that I have where I genuinely wonder, like, why did I just die? Doesn't happen uh, that often, but it does happen from time to time. As I say,
0: is that not as normally a visual thing rather than a, yeah. a yeah, control exactly. element? Yeah, So more though, a
2: visual thing than a control thing, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: snappy. Uh, I would say, and just yeah, just no, no sense of um, they've they've obviously there's no m- sort of momentum baked into this character. It's like pure mm. twitch, isn't it? It's like a hundred percent. And I, and I think like it shouldn't be surprising that a game that is trying to Hark back and ape those vintage coin ops would have controls that precise and that crisp, but actually a lot of modern games I have played. I played a lot of other modern twin stick shooters, and I don't think any of them have quite captured the that fidelity of control that Nex Machina does. And I think above everything else, I think it's the whole package. But I think above everything else, that's why this is probably my favourite of the modern kind of incarnations of this genre of game, just because. The control of the main character is so precise and so instant sub weapons if you start talking about playing next machina sub weapon play is immediately a relevant topic and i think one of the things that strikes me is every time i do have a conversation about next machina different people advocate different sub weapons so i know that uh the one CCers and the and the high score chasers favor the smart bomb which i feel is the most it, Obviously, it requires the most Precise kind of play, but is the most dangerous. Uh, I am yeah. a big fan of the power shot just because it's so devastating. Once yeah. you've fired and it up, and it's
2: very satisfying to
0: use. It's so. very satisfying. But you actually, can take,
2: like, you can take from a large distance. You can take out one of those hulking robots that is attacking a human yeah. very quickly. For example, it's it's very good to just take out big threats uh, quickly or
0: huge lines of threats. Indeed, yeah. Um, yeah. But they, I think, the point is they are all. There's not one that you would say is useless like they all have a the use the
2: sword seemed to have the least hu- uh, mm. use but they actually buffed it in a couple of updates uh, right. in, the, in the release version it was uh, oh. the least favourite weapon uh, okay. but now you uh, the, the, the sword now doesn't have a cooldown anymore so you can keep slashing yeah. with it and it destroys pretty much everything that's not a boss at close range
0: Exactly. Yeah. So dash uh, there's, there's
2: also a little uh, as opposed to the smart bomb which makes you invincible when you use it you don't have that invisibility, so you can still get hit by something that comes right. from behind. So it's it's risky, but yeah, it's the only sub weapon that doesn't have cool uh, a cooldown on it. And one tactic uh, in the recent runs I did this week mm. was that you can actually start slashing and then dash, and you run around. You actually dash around hacking your sword uh, from left to right. So that mm. can be potentially very nasty. Yeah. But I think it's a it's it's still. Let's say a very acquired taste uh, mm. to
0: use. Darren, you said only rocket launcher. So when you do end up with another weapon, because mm. either you accidentally dash over a pickup or you lose your rocket launcher and you have to pick up the next thing that's available, do you have you played enough with the other ones to have any sort of sense of their use, or do you just think where's my rocket launcher the whole time?
3: I mean, I am thinking where's my rocket launcher, but it never <laughs> stops. It never stops me from. You know, playing the game. I'm never going to restart because I've got the sword or I've got the the right. the detonator. Is it the way you send that spiky ball thing out, yes. which I found quite useful in some Remote cases? detonator, yeah. Because yeah, you want it, if you want to pinpoint weapon. something from far away, you can fly it's it a... for a bunch of stuff and then detonate it on the other yeah.
2: side. It's yeah. It has the good. same explosion as a smart bomb, but it's mo- mobile. You send it away, but it has it has a, yeah. a cooldown, of
0: course. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you
3: know, I, I, I do find most of the weapons you know uh, fun to use, but it's just the yeah the rocket launcher really clicked with me. Um I think it's the. the, the the power shot is a close second for me mm. but it was the wind up for me that I couldn't quite factor in whereas the rocket launcher was instant and it just yep. flung out a, an explosive missile yes. yep. whereas the, the power shot would take out a, you know, a good old chunk of people in, in a line but it was always the wind up that just always caught me off yeah. guard it was the well yeah it was the charge it was, um, yeah. yeah, and you're yeah, yeah.
2: aiming while you're winding up yeah
0: yeah,
3: yeah, but yeah, it does, you know, it does, it gives you a nice bit of feedback with the with the laser beam, you know, changing colour as it's ready to go out. And yeah, it, yeah, but all the weapons for me are, are fun. It's just, you know, you know, when you find that one weapon that just mm. absolutely clicks and you're like, oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's
1: definitely one that becomes comfort, isn't there, where when you, you, yeah, when you're using it, you know how it responds, when to use it, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. I mean, I actually quite like the laser um, yep. because it was really good for taking out masses of enemies, but... It was to get through the last boss. The smart bomb was without a doubt the one that I found key. Um, right. Like Darren, I lost my triple dash uh, against that boss. And it is so much harder when you've only got the one. But the smart bomb gives you that little bit extra uh, protection, whether you yeah. uh, accidentally dash too early and then you've got the recharge so you can use the smart bomb to get through it. Yeah. Um. You might dash in the wrong direction and the smart bomb gives you the cover that you need. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely find that the most useful one. You but can keep up a higher, a higher
2: rate of invincibility with it if you juggle it with the dash yes. you, uses. But, and yeah. if you start playing it a certain way, you start pl- with a smart bomb, uh, you uh, st- are playing a different game at that point, where yeah. you actually dash into a group of enemies and then let the smart bomb rip and just clear them out that way. I'm scared.
0: So... I'm too scared. <laughs> I like to keep it's, my distance. It's very
2: exhilarating. Um, mm. But um, yeah, it's the only. I'm. I pretty much can't live without my smart bomb these days. Uh, but it uh, does. Uh, with some bosses, it's it's not the ideal sub weapon to have because no. if, let's say if you have a rocket launcher against uh, the what is this uh, the 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 Heltron, I think that's mm-hmm. the the third one, right? Mm-hmm. You can just keep keep firing at it while it's fl- while it's flying away. Yes, and you can not do that with. Uh, of course, you have to get in close with
0: the smart bomb to yeah. do uh, any damage with. It. Uh, K Sub Zero from the forum says, It's clear that Housemark have poured the entirety of their two decades of expertise and love for the genre into this package. The controls are delightfully responsive, and the standard enemies offer just the right amount of strategic variety to constantly keep the players on their toes. The different weapons are all fun to use, but I quickly settled on the laser as my multi purpose tool of choice due to its fantastic crowd control potential and satisfying DPS. Tying the multiplayer mechanic to the human saving is also an inspired choice which grants the player more fine-tuned agency over the moment-to-moment gameplay and helps to avoid the few randomised pitfalls of Resogun. Special mention must go to the stage design, however. It's remarkable how much thought and effort has been put into giving each individual area its own flow and unique attributes. Encounter design is a bit of a lost art in a lot of modern video games, in my opinion. And Nex Machina serves as a wonderful example of the type of enjoyment that can be derived from carefully constructed linearity. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So there are six worlds. The space station is only on Experienced and Above in the sort of traditional fashion. Each world has 15 levels-ish, plus f- three, four, five secrets on each one. Hmm, that Sounds uh-huh. about right. Plenty of stages, but they are all diff- completely different shapes and sizes with yeah. very different playing spaces on. Some of them are littered with laser traps. Some of them are just open arenas with corners. Some of them have big chunks of rock that you can blast away. Some yeah. of them have enemies that you have to shoot to open up pathways. Like there is a huge variety of. It is so not just. I mean, you know, Robotron. Yeah.
2: There's, there's even an Indiana Jones section with a boulder that comes. There is, yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
0: reminds me of um, Power Stone Two. There was a level like that in that as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah, and I think it's it's easy to dismiss again these, and I, and I know again some of the modern sort of install uh, entries into this sort of subgenre have attempted some sort of uh, level variety in design. But I don't think, I, I can't think of a game, you know, and even going back to sort of vintage games, even as far back as uh, the mid-2000s with Geometry Wars, obviously it was pretty much, a, you know, an empty space screen as was Robotron. This game does take all that classic arcade twin-stick gameplay, but uh, very much mixes these arenas into the, the only game I can think of actually that uh, kind of really did this in this way before, was the game Mutant Storm and Mutant Storm Reloaded by Pom Pom, which came out on PC and Xbox 360 some years ago. And I really like those games. I think I might have mentioned it on the Robotron show. But here it's another level still. You've got so, like, the, the size of the stages varies massively as well. Yeah. And... It almost gives you more of a feeling of,
2: like, uh, games like Gauntlet, where, yeah. where the levels themselves and their layout play a much bigger part. They're, they're not just empty shooting arenas.
0: Yes, they're like yeah puzzle dungeons again that comes back to that sort of puzzly element of the gameplay and the fact that <clears throat> when each level starts like on robotron you identify the positions of the humans and you try to work your way around and pick up as many of them as you can yeah there was no combo well actually that's not true there is a combo attached in that game but you fairly quickly max it out um in this game actually getting from one human to the next and learning where the enemies spawn i mean that's the other thing that we should talk about in this section is as mentioned by Camille, the enemy variety is actually huge and I I don't feel like I'm intimately familiar with a lot of the enemies because there's so many different ones there yeah. are some, you know, you know them when you see them, but it's not like I'm going to say to you now, oh those ones that do this and those ones that do that, maybe you guys are um, yeah, so enemies and stages, what do you reckon?
2: It's also interesting that uh, every world has sort of an overarching gimmick or uh, or, or let's say yeah uh, a challenge theme attached to it. The first world, yeah. uh, Technoforce, is sort of uh, straightforward. Then the second world, which is the Crystal,
0: Crystal Mountain.
2: Crystal Mountain, yeah. That has a lot of uh, areas uh, within stages that are you can't access. There's like little rivers between them. You need to hit certain targets to sometimes it's enemies, sometimes it, uh, there are little towers. Most of the time, it's enemies actually, so that there, are, uh, there will be bridges appearing. And Fire Cavern has a lot of rocks that can be cleared out with shots to open up different parts of the map uh machine city i associate that heavily with all those sort of ring laser turrets with the with the rings that uh ex- expand yeah. over the the field that you have to dash through and then future labs has all these little little different rooms uh and yeah so it's it's they, they all have their apart from the aesthetics they all have their sort of their overarching sort of yes similar challenges hmm a bit,
3: yeah, I mean, the best thing you can say about it is that it was never it's never boring with its level design. You never think, oh, I've seen this too many times. Like, if they did five rolling boulder levels in, in a row, you'd be like, oh, yeah, all right, we've seen enough of this. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like the most popular games lately, you know, ever since Super Mario Galaxy. They seem to just, you know, use ideas and, in very sparring but clever ways, and you're you just... If they do use them again, it's kind of done in a, in, a, in a different flavor. And yeah. here, you, I never, ever thought going through all of these worlds, I never thought to myself, oh, I'm sick of seeing, you know, those bricks that explode and you can, you know, open up new pathways. Like it was never, it was never an issue, the level design here in yeah. any of the worlds. It was all just, it all felt, yeah, like absolutely spot on and um yeah, n- never a chore.
0: Bosses, then K sub zero says the bosses are surprisingly one of the game's highlights, without any clear weak link among them. And I particularly appreciate how the higher difficulty settings force the player to reevaluate the strategies that might have gotten the job done against them on rookie. So yeah, there are seven bosses in total, I believe, one for each world plus the final final boss, Nex Machina. Uh, and yeah, there are six difficulty settings, which we've sort of brushed upon. But as with Resogun they not only speed things up and make things harder uh but there's also yeah other factors that come into play the amount of enemy bullets on, on screen and things like that from uh, yeah rookie all the way up to hero difficulty which i've never even unlocked because it sounds terrifying i'm not sure i'm cut out for that i mean it, i i would say wow. experienced is is a tough enough game for most people <laughs> but yeah uh three levels above that you know you know crack on if you if you if you're up for it but yeah bosses um yeah as i say not it's partly the music i think the music um helps my enjoyment of the of these bosses pl- plus those super sharp snappy controls but also i think the enemies do have the boss enemies i should say do have a little bit of personality to them like yeah uh yeti yeah,
2: Bibtron Be- has this uh, uh starts starts out a little bit lame looking, but then when you start peeling off uh, bits of its face, it has this sort of uh, Terminator uh yeah. sort of s- skeletal. So you'll we'll hark back scary to face.
0: Yeah. Uh, Narc and Smash TV, that kind of that kind of setup yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. The architect. You, you
2: can waste him with a smart bomb. Uh, he, even on experienced, he's uh, he, he's kind of trivial if you just. Stay in between his beams, even in his last pattern. And he st- he starts firing out at those rings of skulls, right? Yeah. You can just mm. dash straight through them, and then when you reach him, you just let rip with the smart bomb. All the bosses kind of do that.
0: They have three phases where you you yeah. whittle them down, and their last phase is normally about just going berserk with flinging pink skulls at the player, or just out in a pattern in an arc. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the architect one is the one with the 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 gnarly dude in that's right, isn't it? In the there's there's like an actual humanoid, yes. Character but, kind of and yeah.
1: You have the four uh, or six units that throw across the electric wires, and then one that you can boost through. Yeah, yeah. I remember that throwing me completely the first time yeah, I played it, get, trying to figure out how you get through. I still it. get messed
0: up there sometimes. Yeah, in the panic. Yeah. Mm.
1: But yeah,
2: I appreciate with uh, Yeti Kong uh, that he throws barrels like uh, like Donkey Kong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes definitely yeah. yeah yeah
2: and and forza prime has uh beautiful uh neon shuriken uh, yes. uh, projectiles as well which which i also love with
3: um with yeti kong when it all kicks off mm. it, so it feels like it changes perspective but it doesn't mm. it feels like you're yeah climbing up the mountain oh but it's still top down huh. i don't know if, if anyone else has feels the same with that but it looks it fit, i can't explain it very well <laughs> but it's a top-down game, but when Yeti Kong appears at the top, for me, in my head, it feels like you're now...
1: You're shooting up.
3: Shooting up the wall, yeah, yeah as opposed to along the
2: floor. Huh. It's really yeah. cleverly done. But yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, still it's still top-down. He's just hanging from the edge.
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, the idea is that Yeti Kong climbs up out of the... Out of the uh, floor. The, the pit, yeah. almost, what I got. and he's sort of holding uh, himself up and attacking.
3: For me, but he's he- on top of a cliff edge and he's looking down. <laughs> and I, that, yeah, that's, that's, the game hasn't done anything to suggest that, other than the way it's designed, and my brain just completely yeah. sees it from a different angle. Even though it hasn't no, I changed mean, that's, at all.
1: That is cool because I think that is the intent of it—to uh, put Yeti Kong above you, throwing yeah. stuff down yeah. at you, exactly like Donkey right. Kong. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> very, very clever. Huh.
0: Yeah, my brain obviously, yeah, did the translation, so I didn't think of it that way. But that's actually much cooler.
4: Hmm.
0: Mm. Interesting. So. We talked about score chasing as we do with these kinds of games and it's what i wanted to say and and simon sloth is simon Simon sloth is really going to help with this so we've obviously we heard earlier from stanshaw who is somebody who likes a score chasing game but doesn't like next machina and then we heard now we're going to hear from simon sloth who isn't into score chasing, but does like next Machina. Because I think it's important to remember that I think it would be very easy for someone like me who loves this game and loves score chasing to say, well, if you love score chasing, you'll love Next Machina. It's not that clear cut. Uh, no. so Simon Sloth says... I love Nex Machina, I love Marks games, I am not their target audience. When I play their games, I aim to get from start to finish and just enjoy the experience. I've never been one to set the high score boards alight. I'm not going to spend the time mastering the mechanics, learning the secrets or chaining multipliers. The purists would say, I'm missing the point and an extra layer to the game. But to be honest, I don't care. I still love it. I still buy their games and I still play them. So does it really matter? my scores are pitiful, but when the audiovisual design and core mechanics are so satisfyingly addictive, I keep coming back for more. Don't get me wrong, I would love to climb the scoreboards, but for me, the zen moments of bullet-dodging impossibility and getting through a level without being hit are gaming nirvana above and beyond any score. For anyone considering this game as being solely for the arcade purist, I would disagree, as I have found immense enjoyment from experiencing the package on a more superficial level. A solid recommendation to all. If they sell a few more copies, maybe we can save them after all. I, I think that I think that ship has sailed, probably. But um, but that's interesting because I would definitely make that assumption that you would need to care about your score to get the most out of this game. But
2: no, I I think Simon calls it the arcade purist, but there are lots of hardcore arcade gamers also who just clear about uh, care about uh just. You know, beating a, a game on one credit and yeah. don't really keep the score in mind at all much. It's a different challenge, so isn't it? Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's a different ch- different challenge. And it definitely, you know, there's always that interplay between scoring and putting yourself at risk, the risk reward thing, uh, and everything coming together that definitely adds a layer. But yeah, I don't think just, you know, ju- just working on survival tactics is not superficial in and of, of itself. Hmm.
1: The, the way we look at games we generally don't need the whole package to click with someone for them to rave about a game. So yeah. the way that Simon's talking about it, he doesn't necessarily love the score chasing or going through on the highest difficulties and doing all these kinds of things that we look back and say, if you do them, it could be a better experience. I genuinely believe that that mm. is the case. But an equivalent would be if someone told me they lived Hill Reach, but they would never play it on Legendary, mm. I would say, well, And I know that you said the same thing, Mm. Leon. Halo Reach on Legendary is an entirely different, arguably much better experience despite the base game being very good. But then you could get someone who plays Halo Reach and only ever played the multiplayer or only ever played Firefight Mm. or someone who buys Call of Duty every year but only plays the zombies and not the single player or Blackout this year Mm. and multiplayer. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not a great package. They're just getting something else out of it that they love. Yeah. you know, he doesn't need to go score chasing to go and love this game. No, and I think that, that is absolutely great. Mm, yeah. um, it's just that there are multiple games. Um, and, uh, Maybe Call of Duty is a prime example. Some people only play the single player. Some people play the multiplayer. Some people play the zombies. You don't need to enjoy them all to say that it's a great game.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I certainly find that, yeah, the... I mean, I, I, interestingly, I was playing the game Nex Machina earlier without score chasing, almost deliberately so, not just because of uh, of Simon's comment there, but also because there are some trophies that I'd yet yes. un- to unlock for not rescuing humans. <laughs> so so I played through the entire first world, deliberately letting humans die. It was actually quite liberating. And it did also <laughs> make me realise that 99 point five percent of my deaths are to do with trying to keep that multiplier going
2: for sure for sure absolutely
1: the risk reward strategy of of do you push to keep your score high or do you back off let the human die? and you know we've mentioned this in the past about achievements or trophies in games they are not for everyone but certain experiences can definitely be benefited from them and a prime example would be um when you're going through the beamtron boss there's a trophy for leaving one yeah, still AI not got enemy that. alive. <laughs> yeah. That is surprisingly difficult to yeah, get. It is, yeah. Yeah. But I did I did manage to do it. I targeted it the other day and I think it took me three full goes round. Yeah, I can imagine. Because yeah. you keep taking like two or three shots running again away to the end of the screen to get the to AI enemy out of the way, come yeah. back and loop, and it takes a long, long time. And I think yeah. I ended up doing it by doing that and then hammering Beamtron with the rockets, mm. um, so Darren would be proud, and <laughs> that's the kind of approach that I had. But that trophy definitely put a different approach to it. Actually, seeing that, that I trophy, would never have normally taken. seeing
0: that trophy in there actually made me hark back to the you know the we covered the Geometry Wars series some time ago, and it did yeah. hark back to the early pacifists. days of XBLA yeah. and Pacifist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. That took me ages as well to yeah. get that achievement, but it was it yeah. was that was yeah it was a great example of where. And obviously this is not a podcast about trophy and achievement design, but I did want to talk a little bit about the trophies in this game because they can help you to learn about the game or gain little bits of extra achievement or even just a little bit more value for money by by giving you that extra little challenge. Yeah. So today I think I unlocked five more trophies that I just never even got in, uh, you know, in two years of playing this game fairly intensively just because i'd never even thought of playing it in that particular way um whether those trophies mean anything to anyone is kind of almost neither here nor there it's a it's actually just a a tool by which to try something different and and as i say in this case it actually made me think about playing the game in a like the entire game in a different style and wondering about completing it without worrying about high score and see yeah, absolutely what happens. It's a
1: it's an additional layer, isn't mm. it, that can that can open up a whole other avenue that you would never necessarily go and approach. And it's something that I've always defended achievements for. And I think the game I always hark back to would be the original Dead Rising, where you could go and get uh eight people in a row, every survivor in the mall, eight female characters, eight male characters, and you specifically target different ways so that if you didn't have that as a target to get for the achievement. Yeah. You would never actually approach the game in such a manner, but by going for it and approaching it in a different manner, you can actually get additional stuff out of it and really appreciate yeah. the effort and ingenuity that went into it in the first place.
2: Yeah, these these are sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, be- before achievements, these would be self-imposed challenges for top players, yeah. you know. Like- totally. You know, so, somebody searches. trying to clear um, uh, metal slug while only using the knife attack, for oh, example. God. Yes, yes, <laughs> and, uh, or yeah, like your Resident Evil knife run or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fun that it's in there.
0: What I will say though is that I think the potential for the real level of compulsion or addiction, even that I think it's possible to feel with a game like this is there for those who are going to try to spin all those plates and micromanage every element of every level because the game has been designed with that in mind, no doubt. Yeah. You can also play it in a more casual way and that's great and that's cool but the fact that it's all there with your juggling, your humans, you need to remember where all the beacons are and all the secret humans are and all the secret exits are and all the disruptors you need to get which can appear on any level and the visitors which are deliberately designed... The These are the enemies which swoop on and kind of whiz around in a preordained arc, but you're still trying to manage the space around you. All that stuff is, I think, it is the most satisfaction you can get is to chain it all together. But I also completely agree and understand that it does add a layer of tension and anxiety to playing a game that not everyone is up for at all. Yeah. Um, because it, this is... I was talking about the toes pointing north. This is when I'm trying to link everything together. That wasn't happening when I was just trying to get through the level without collecting humans, um, although there's actually some tension to not accidentally collecting humans, but yeah. uh, that's that's a much easier uh, proposition.
2: In the past week, uh, I set it a goal to get a 1cc on Experienced. Yeah. Got, n- got nowhere near it. Uh, it's tough. And it's because... I just i wish i could ignore the scoring system but i can't it's hard and the scoring system is also a little bit what burned me uh, or what uh, burned me out on uh, on next machina the yeah. first time around mm. um and the reason is that i uh so i racked up this crazy multiplier of 50 plus i got the the rare achievement yeah. for it on on my one to see run on rookie and then you know, it, t- it turned out that I only had about half the score that uh, most of yeah, like uh, like guys, guys like you and uh, Sean and mm-hmm. uh, and Darren would have. Like uh, you know, a- about half of it. And it was because I was missing a lot of that extra stuff, like the secret exits and uh, yeah. the se- se- some of the secret humans and some of the uh, the visitors and uh, and what have you. So it it felt like in order to do that, I mean. Enlighten me where when I'm uh if I'm wrong, but in order to do that I would actually just have to do a couple of runs just digging around and poking at stuff so I could sort of start memorizing where all the secret bits are. Yeah. Uh, rather than just concentrating on A surviving and B optimizing a path uh between humans and picking them uh picking them picking them up while leaving an optimal time in between them so uh, I wouldn't drop my multiplayer chain,
0: and, so, and and the other thing that I've really learned in recent plays is not only about obviously collecting the humans without dropping the chain, but you actually need to space them so that the last one you get carries over to the next level. Exactly, and yeah. That's so that,
2: that that's things. what I that's what I, I I've. Got that tactic down when I got that that fifty plus uh, yeah. multiplier achievement. Mm. Uh, so I, I, you know, I I felt like I was being very optimal with my game, but because of missing all the secret bits and bobs, uh, I still didn't get get near anywhere where I wanted to be on the leaderboards.
0: Yeah, it can be frustrating. It can be off-putting. Yeah. and yeah, it, it but, becomes it can be a you know it's something that you actually have to properly work at. It's not something that you can just dip into at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's almost like I would need to, to just do a lot of practice runs, just finding all the secrets first, and then starting to memorize it to to in order to create a, a real optimal run uh, through the game. Um, but with that, with all that said, uh, and that's going back to Stanchall's post, all in the beginning of the the puzzle game, mm. um, I do think it's at the same time it's the greatest strength of Next Machina, the mm. complexity of it. Because a lot of the, let's say, Geometry Wars-inspired twin-stick shooters are really very simple game, like the, the, the your typical Western-developed 2D shooter, uh, and they sort of they uh, harken back almost to the uh, early 80s, you know, the, the 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 earlier arcade days, and they yeah. ignore a lot of advancements made to the genre by the uh, the Japanese developers that have specialized in creating shoot 'em ups mm. so it's almost like you know that that never happened to them and where what where, where housemark th- gets really right with next Machina is that they've added their own layers of complexity uh to 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 what's basically uh yeah a, a top-down 2d shooter um so in that sense I I do think that they're made a very strong attempt at pushing the genre forward rather than just doing a fun little retro title Mm. so what you see with the with the japanese shooters at this that they got an enormously layered score scoring systems and like more and more mind-blowing attack and bullet patterns that yeah you sort of miss with a lot of these retro shooters actually Uh, yeah and
0: and that's when you get those reviews that seem to you know from our point of view as people who try to understand these things that seem to completely miss the point and say well i completed this game in half an hour i just credit you know credit fed it and you know and that's how some people will approach this game i guess the good thing is that we've heard from simon that you can kind of play next machina in that way more like that way and still have a great time with it and especially now like the game i think when it came out it was I got it for free, woohoo! But it was not wildly expensive, was it? it was like twelve pounds or something like that? I thought it was 16 Maybe pounds, sixteen. But it's like now I've seen right? it. It was in the most recent PSN sale at the time of recording for like four quid or something. And I'm sure it's been on Steam for a similar amount. So, mm. I mean, it's yeah.
1: That's a criminally low price yeah, exactly. for the quality of this game. By the even day. if yeah. yeah,
0: even if you just play it just on the most yeah casual basis possible, you might get something out of it anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the pricing is a strange thing, isn't it? It's the sixteen pound game. I feel is such an awkward price because it's just low enough for people who don't necessarily feed into the genre to pick it up. Who may be the kind that come out and say, "Completed it in half an hour. Not that good. Avoid." But then you get people like myself, who if I'd paid forty quid for it, would rave about it at forty quid for value. Yeah. Oh, sure. Because yeah. there's enough of content in there at that price. Yeah. But instead, I get a steal at sixteen pound. Yeah. But yeah. it gives you both ends of that spectrum. Mm.
2: And if you if you play it at that level, you can easily put as 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 much time in it as a like a JRPG or something. Oh. You know, just to get better and upkeep. up the your... replayability. Thousands yeah, of pro- hours. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. That, that's such a relative thing, the value for money, or how much you get out of yeah. it.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. it's the one element of video games that gets forgotten about. And as yeah.
0: well as as uh, as well as the anxiety that is sometimes caused, or can be caused by trying to play this game optimally, and get on the leaderboards and do that, you also have those situations, like Darren mentioned earlier, where you get interrupted. Darren's also, uh, although Mikheel has children, they're not quite as young, Darren's also the only one of us who has an infant child at this point. Um, So, does that like with games like this i know that you know many of our friends and and contacts and acquaintances who do have young children it can to an extent rule certain kinds of gaming out and and that has to be a consideration when when you're thinking about buying things you've got a limited amount of time and yeah if you're playing if you're in the zone obviously as it turned out the particular scenario you talked about was actually wife and father in law but if you're trying to get in the zone and you know infant child needs attention that's you know the game is then li- is totally irrelevant um so knowing that you might have to sit there for 50 minutes or whatever to set a new high score but knowing you might be interrupted probably stops you playing it in the first place a lot of the time
3: yeah it's, it changes like week by week you know mm. at the moment we're having a good run and you know, you know as she's approaching three in july you know we're getting towards the toddler stage yes. She's a lot more... Uh, well, she's a lot less demanding than what she was at as as once. So, mm. And when Dead Cells came out, we were having a bad TV run, so I couldn't get into Dead Cells right. for that very reason. Yeah, yeah. But na- now I'm finding I can't get into long-form games because I just can't get the energy for a game that's going to last 50 hours. Mm. I just can't find uh-huh. the excitement to reach the end, whereas now... I'm well into Next Mac, and I'm well into Tetris Effect. I'm well into these short games that mm. I can pop on for an hour, right. or in yeah. Tetris Effect's case, like five hours. But yeah, that's them. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm well into these games that I can pick up and put down, and yeah, the Switch has kind of given me um, kind of a new lease of life. I found that i rediscovered the Switch again because I put it down for ages because I was playing a lot of Sea of Thieves, and that, that was a long form game, and that that happened to fit in a very particular time of life and baby life and it's, it's really complicated it's really yeah. you really have to like be well for me i'm really self-aware of it and i'm not going to play a game yeah just because mm. i feel like i need to play it if i'm not if i'm not happy with it i'll put it down mm. like god of war for example which just kept going on and on yeah um so yeah it's all context sensitive to quote, <laughs> yes. um, conquer yeah um, sensitive, but, um... <laughs> sensitive to context yeah. <laughs> that's, <it>. that's right <laughs> so yeah uh, but at the moment like um short bursts uh pick up and put down games uh absolutely key for me at the moment and yeah. uh yeah.
2: yeah now i i really recognize that because when my kids were very young mm. and of course i wouldn't play ga- uh i would only play games when they were sleeping uh it's probably no coincidence that i really got into arcades and arcade mm. games uh, yeah. again around that time because yeah like you said it's just it becomes more daunting to start a long story driven game uh you know of, of yeah you know multiple and of re- hours, and these games you can easily put as much time in them, but you play them in short bursts, usually, you know, so it's like oh mm-hmm. just let let just let off steam with uh with, with with a half hour forty five minute session of just yeah. pure adrenaline rush uh, gameplay,
3: yeah, no, you know, I found a lot of for me personally I found a lot more satisfaction from an hour's worth of next machina than i did for the two hours or three hours and even of red dead like red dead 2 is very very well made but the time it takes to do anything i never found that by the time i was tired or you know or uh, as soon as it got going i was ready to turn it off and that's why i couldn't connect with that world Mm. but it it would be better if
2: you could just dash around the screen and start firing like crazy bullet streams at uh mm. hostiles
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so me selling my copy of Red Dead for Tetris Effect um, really it, um, reignited my love for arcade, and that's why I've you know I've always had a name down for this show. or you put my name down for it, but I've always had it for Green on the traffic lights because I've always enjoyed it. But this time round, I was kind of more in line with Simon Sloth here in the fact that I my best run was arcade experienced, and I didn't lose a single continue until the. The architect, I'm getting confused with the bosses. Like I did really well, but that's because I wasn't trying so hard. Like I didn't care that the humans were dying. I was just, I was just keeping myself to myself and getting through the level because I was really like anxious about my performance. Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah. But here's me, like you know, and and I did it. I was like wicked, like I got through to the end, and I never thought I would. And that's because I, I, I wasn't score chasing. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, there is a
0: lot of merit to what Simon says. K Sub Zero says one criticism, which I think is fair is that to make the upper echelons of the leaderboards It will remain forever all but inaccessible to anyone who hasn't taken the time to memorise all of the game's secrets and individual stage encounters. I don't personally have too much of an issue with this in practice due to being the type of player who enjoys pouring dozens of hours into a single game, but it is rather unfortunate that so much of the score-chasing potential will remain unattainable to the vast majority of players, in contrast to more permissive and welcoming but similarly challenging games such as tetris for
2: yeah it's not it's not so much even the memorization of it i think i think there's for me personally there's a really great relationship between shooting enemies and staying alive mhm managing your mobility in your space with uh with dashing and rescuing humans as it was in uh Robotron 2084 which which is a very feels like a very natural and organic trinity of of three main concepts mm. Mm. and it's just like the moment that you have to also start worrying about yeah finding finding little bits and uh, and, and pieces hidden in in every stage just for uh, to optimize your score is where I, where I sort of start tuning out
1: you know the upper echelon being inaccessible isn't a bad thing because it's there for the people who do want it yeah. it shouldn't be there for everyone because you kind of lower the quality of your project air uh, product mm-hmm. and um a, a perfect example there is uh, he mentions tetris effect now tetris effect is a game that is based on tetris which i would presume the vast majority of the listeners of this podcast have played some form of Now, Tetris Effect launched at £35, which seems astronomical for a Tetris game, until you actually play it. And then I realized that everyone I know who's picked up Tetris Effect at that price has actually gone on to score chase in some form. So it kind of goes back to what I was saying about this next Machina being an awkward price because you get people who will buy it because it's cheap enough and might not actually click with it. But those that are buying into Tetris Effect are buying into everything that Tetris Effect offers because, potentially, the price is that high, which it is high for a Tetris game. It's the most expensive Tetris game since... Probably Tetris on the NES? No, probably uh, the N64 one.
0: Oh,
3: yeah, the new Tetris.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you're talking 20 years. Hmm. So it's the most expensive Tetris game in two decades. But it's absolutely worth that price because we're all of that mentality that yeah
0: remember when we did our tetris having podcast those things we can follow and we yeah. waxed lyrical about all the versions of tetris for two hours and that was before i think one of the ones that we would all cite as uh, one of our favorites came out most recently yeah. so uh we may but come yeah, back to probably. tetris in the future anyway
2: no, i i agree with that that it's of course it rewards people who put the put the most time in the game and discover all its secrets uh, but I think, wouldn't you agree that, if, uh, especially if you play on the higher difficulties, like the skill the scale ceiling from just staying alive and keeping your multiplier going from uh, from saving humans would already be quite take quite a dedication by itself already.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure. There's also another mode in there, uh, which uh, sort of it's a, for more bite-sized chunks of gaming. It's called the online arena. Uh, I've actually popped back into this today for the first time in a, in a good long while. There's actually some quite fun challenges in there, like uh, setting a certain score within a certain period of time or trying to get to a certain multiplier or super sped up versions of certain sections can be quite good for training. But also it's got this weird, slightly half baked in-game currency system that you use to unlock more areas, but now I've got more oh. currency than I need, so I'm not sure. I think maybe that would have been refined if they'd gone back to the game as much as they did with Rezogun. Uh Anyone else played with these arena areas?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you tired there, Darren?
3: <laughs> no. It was um, uh, a very blase no.
1: No, uh, <laughs> um, no I, I haven't, which feels like a shame because yeah. on the Resogun issue where we talked about the additional modes like mm. uh, defender i can't remember what they were what well they called yeah the but mind. they added so much they stuff. were brilliant they
0: were and this is not as big a departure as a lot of those modes no. this was there from the start it's effectively a way of playing chunks of the game for online high scores just for those like your your score is weighed up against other people for that mode simple as that and there's are there's gold uh, bronze gold and silver medals for each one kind of thing and yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the kind of thing you would expect as a little extra in the package as added value.
1: It's nice that it's there. Yeah. And I guess we have had an experience of Housemark perhaps giving us more in games than we deserve <laughs> in the past. Mm-hmm. So
0: Yeah, um, there's also multiplayer, which sadly I've never played. Now, I don't obviously Robotron was a single player game where you could play alternate one, two player, I think, in the style of games of that era. But Smash TV, of course, was very much designed around being a multiplayer experience. It was deliberately, insanely hard on single player. It was very much about having red versus blue and you were trying to outscore, but also help your partners through the level. I wonder if this multiplayer might really work it would be very interesting to play it's local only but i'd be really interested. i've, uh, I've to done see. it a couple of times oh, okay how's it going yeah,
2: with uh with a friend uh, which was a lot of fun and i played on rookie with my eight-year-old son as well uh which uh and and this is the funny thing um you share your pool of lives so you start in rookie you start started oh, with five cool. lives and actually so all of a sudden i saw our, our life deposit quickly depleting and uh whenever one of the two players dies they're out of that stage and they only appear Ooh. when there is lives left in the next stage again oh okay. uh, so this it's kind of kind of funny you know maybe not the ideal way of how i would design right. it themselves if i would be on a designer designing team and uh so it turned out that i was all the time trying to look out for extra lives on a map and mm. then so so that he could come back on again
0: uh, how does the scrolling yeah. work can you split it
2: uh, apart? No, you don't split apart, but it zooms out uh, all the way uh, and right. it's still it's still quite readable. It's it's all right. And yeah.
0: does it save any high so scores? S-
2: um No, I don't I mean m- maybe locally, but I I didn't yeah. really look into that. No. Maybe locally, but definitely there, I don't think there's a a, a leaderboard leaderboard for an online leaderboard.
0: Yeah
1: it sounds mm-hmm. like it approaches the way that it works a little similar to Resogun in terms of the life pooling and mm. uh yeah. zooming out to fit everything in
0: mm. there's also as well as the trophies and steam achievements uh, there's also 220 feats in the game which was also a thing that they added later to Resogun these uh, vary from the fairly simple and straightforward to the wild and wacky to the almost impossible uh, but if you if you've done everything you need to get the platinum trophy, you might as well carry on and get all the feats as well. And I'm sure some people have, uh, they track as well. So you can see where you're up to and occasionally you'll get a little message on screen saying you've just achieved some feat. Uh, I guess it's just more little digital trinkets to engage with, to give extra value for money. Probably nothing that is going to appeal to somebody who doesn't like the game. But for the people who do like the game, they can try to max everything out, I guess. And then it happened, 21st of August 2017, just two months after the game came out. Housemark wrote a letter to the fans, a blog post entitled Arcade is Dead. It went like this For more than 20 years, we've been carrying the torch for arcade, bringing arcade coin-op inspired games to the market with a Housemark twist. And I think it's fair to say we've gotten pretty good at it by now. Our games have received great critical reception over the years, perhaps the best example being Nex Machina, which we published in June to great critical acclaim, garnering a Metacritic score of 88. Nex Machina was a dream project as we got to work with our hero and arcade gaming legend Eugene Jarvis, who is responsible for some of the most revered arcade games of all time, such as Defender, Robotron 2084 and Smash TV. He has had a tremendous impact on our games, including Resogun and Dead Nation. However, despite critical success and numerous awards, our games just haven't sold in significant numbers. While some of them have reached a massive audience due to free game offerings across various digital sales channels, this unfortunately doesn't help pay for development, which gets costly for high production quality. We are extremely grateful to our fans and partners who have enabled us to work on awesome games like Super Stardust HD and Outland. For your unfailing love and support, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But now, it's time to move on to new genres. Lacklustre sales of Next Machina have led us to the thinking that it is time to bring our long-standing commitment to the arcade genre to an end. While this genre will always hold a special place in our hearts, the industry is moving more towards multiplayer experiences with strong, robust communities, and it's time for Housemark to move forward with the industry. Hence, Next Machina and Matterfall Will be the last of their kind coming out of our studio. Our purpose as a company remains the same however to create enjoyable and memorable gaming experiences for players while simultaneously creating a great workplace that allows people to flourish both professionally and personally. Looking ahead to our next projects we are exploring something totally different than what you might expect of us but we believe this will lead to the creation of even more engaging gaming experiences. Our core values remain the same. Gameplay first with first class execution. We are really excited about our new projects and look forward to unveiling our first game from the new era of Housemark. Whether you have been a fan of Housemark for years and have just played a few of our first games, we invite you to join us in discovering new gaming frontiers. Stay tuned. That's Ilari Quittinen. Kind of sad. Made me sad.
1: I, I genuinely felt like I could have cried when I read that because I that is a company that, in one shape or another, has been with me through my gaming well, life. Well, totally,
0: as an uh, Amiga kid, as you were, yeah?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've had so many experiences with mark games that, quite honestly, felt that they were at their absolute pinnacle. Mm. And I don't care what game you mentioned to me that we've seen since the era of the PS4, they've released two of the very best games that we have seen this entire generation, in Resogun and Nex Machina. mm and to see those games haven't sold enough for them to continue on down that path is a little bit heart-wrenching. If I'm being perfectly mm. honest, they are perhaps the games developer we didn't deserve. <laughs> you know, I don't think that, I don't think people appreciated them for the quality that they were bringing it. Yes, it may be a hard sell. Selling uh, retro effect games in the era of 4K, um, but my God, the games that they did deliver are special. I wonder what it is because
2: there should be a much larger audience for people that want to have more of a, you know, let's say, focused 2D gaming experience, mm. and uh, a lot of older players that sort of want to go back to
0: the to 2D design. Maybe Uh, their production costs and values were just beyond what that audience allows.
3: Yeah. Maybe. It it reminds me a little bit of Lawbreakers and that Studio Bosky I think it Is is that is. They're saying their sales weren't particularly great but they're not releasing on all platforms. And I know it's not as easy as releasing Mm. on as many platforms Mm. because you can't just press a button and spit out a Switch version. But like, you, you've released on two platforms, and and it's just like you're missing out on another yeah. two consoles that potentially could, you could have reached a bigger audience. You're self publishing, so I get it, it's, it's hard to self publish, and you know, yeah. you haven't got Sony behind you this time, although Sony gave away, or you, you signed an agreement to give away your game on the PlayStation 4 with Resogun and yeah it's a complete it's, it's, it must be a minefield and a nightmare to do
0: but
1: put it out on the Xbox and Switch and see what happens <laughs> with base it's, Xbox
0: it's, One it's, handle all those voxels I don't know with the Switch it's
1: definitely you know I don't think that that is the most accurate comparison purely because uh, Lawbreakers went straight up against Quake Champions and Overwatch, you know, there was direct competition there, whereas uh, yeah. what Mac were doing were undoubtedly best in class Yeah, I'm talking and... about purely
3: from a standpoint of they were kind of saying their games weren't selling as much, but like that, that's literally the only Lawbreakers comparison there, is that they, they were mo- well, not moaning, they were saying that their games aren't selling as well as what they thought they should have done, but when you're missing out on so much of the market <clears throat> and everyone's picking up Switch games because they are, you know, pick up and pick up and play put down games like it seems like a natural fit for me to have that game on a switch and you know you'd like you say leon like can it handle the visuals i said earlier in the podcast for me like you could strip away most of the visual and i still have well as we said they that's possibly
0: true they ported resogun to vita didn't they and ps3 so yeah Yeah, content the
2: content of the letter is definitely sad and especially for me because what i've played from them in the past before i haven't loved but i think res resogun And uh, next, Mechina, especially, is them really finding their footing and putting out some really confident old school. But hmm. still, put, uh, boundary pushing uh, 2D shooters. I just have <laughs> a massive issue with that title. Arcade is dead. You know, let's yeah, let's just say way. it's lo- it's lost in translation. I think but, they were uh, looking uh, R- for arcade it's, games. It's clickbaiting. Totally, yeah, yeah, probably. I, I think they Let...
0: were looking for to make the news, which they did. It was also at the exact same time as they announced, I think, Storm Divers, which is their next big game, um, yeah. which is going to be a, yeah. an Unreal Engine powered battle royale game. Yeah. I mean, my hope is that they bring all their design chops and sensibilities and because, and, you know, we're Kane and Rince, we all like multiple genres of game. I can live without them making another retro style game if they make a completely yeah. awesome modern yeah. game. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's how often have we seen developers chase that though? Um, I mean, it always makes me think of something uh, like Starbreeze, for example. Um mm. You know, you step key. away from what you're great at that all of a sudden you try and chase something and that market is even more crowded. I mean, they were doing the best in class in a genre that isn't hammered with loads of titles. Now they're going into, is it a Battle Royale game? Yes. Mm. I mean, you know, we already, ha- we already have three pretty big hitters and that's without Battle Royale. Yeah, I mean, that's yet, the issue. Which is a fourth one. Going
0: into, yeah, Going trying, trying to, yeah, throw your hat into a, an already crowded market chasing chasing the dollars like in some ways they might they may end up ruining i mean you know hopefully they'll still exist and they'll be able to go back on the arcade is dead sentiment if they find that actually they had a very solid and stable audience but yeah Yeah. i get more i get more frustrated at people for not having bought next machina than anything like yeah exactly i tried to tell i mean we're only mentioned that we're moderate influencers if well minor to moderate influencers i would say as as a collective um but, you know, and I know, obviously, we haven't covered Next Machina until now. But individually, lots of us have used what little clout we have to say Next Machina is amazing. And yet still yeah. hardly anyone bought it, it seems. So,
1: it's, yeah. I mean, credit to them for one last thing uh, in regards to this letter. Credit for them saying that their purpose as a company remains. Uh, they want to create a workplace that allows people to flourish and professionally and personally. Yeah, hopefully, they It's mean nice that. for them to actually mention their ethics that they want to stick to rather than say, blame people for not buying into what True. they were making and hopefully know?
0: that's not just lip service um i mean yeah we've not heard anything to suggest that it's not a good working environment at house mark um yeah. so hopefully that's the case and
1: that's an established well team over a lot a long of years year, yeah, as well long, you know long period yeah
0: so we'll see maybe someday we'll cane and rinse storm divers and hopefully we'll love it at least as much
1: but i pray for next machina too
0: <laughs> <laughs> you never know you never outland know. too Outland, I liked Outland a lot. I we liked Outland, yeah, very good. Cool game, Icaruga meets Metroidvania. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. But
3: is Matterfall going to be similar to Outland in that it's a Metroidvania ish? Matterfall
0: really didn't review nearly as well as Next Machina, and I haven't mm. played it, so I'm I'm part of the problem. But the fact that the reviews for that one, I think it was the other team at House Mark, ah, uh, yeah, who yeah. I'd played Alienation and it was okay. I, I do like Dead Nation um alienation was kind of bringing a diablo thing to a twin stick shooter Mm. and it was all right i completed it um but it didn't have the didn't grab me like next machina did and matterfall i did actually ask for a review code but that was from sony so i didn't get one if they'd independently released it i would have got it from the pr so strange yeah so i've not played it i should look out for it in a in a digital sale actually because Mm. i'm sure i'd enjoy it at least enough to be you know worth spending five quid on it or whatever it is yeah but yes um maybe i'm not even sure it's on our big list of games to cover but it'll be another interesting one <laughs> uh, finally K zero 1000 from the forum says overall next machina stands shoulder to shoulder with its voxel based predecessor of sorts as my favorite western developed arcade game and as one of the absolute highlights of the twin stick shooter genre for me how unfortunate that it also appears to have been it's swan song Housemark's arcade is dead. Farewell letter to their fans broke my heart and instantly made me nostalgic for an era I had only had a very brief opportunity to experience.
2: Well, I got good news for Camille. Arcade isn't dead. I mean, yeah. It's not in the healthiest place ever, but it doesn't start or stop of with House Mark's involvement. Yes. <laughs>
0: but yes, one fantastic developer has moved away from it, which is, yeah. yeah, which is, I I think it's a shame. Anyway. Yeah. Three word reviews. So we put this out before we'd announced the volumes. The way things have worked out, not to worry. Uh, let's go with starting with Darren. Stanshaw says, and Dash." The Greece says, "Voxels, my eyes." Camille Rousseau says, "Tactile kaleidoscopic brilliance." Nick
2: Word says, House Marcus King?"
0: And lastly, Welsh Muzzy says, "Twitch arcade perfection." Okay, thank you, everybody. Now to summarize, would we recommend? That people play next Machina, and maybe if we persuade enough of you all to buy it and tell all your friends, and then they all buy it, we can get another next Machina game. But uh, but are we going to convince you, Carl? What do you reckon?
1: What I would say is that I bought this game in two thousand and seventeen, and that was not a bad year for gaming. It was and a belter. Without a shadow of doubt in my mind. Next, Machina was in the top two games released that year. And that is a bold statement in a great year of gaming. That's how good this game is. And I mentioned at the outset that I approached it again 18 months later, and I loved it in a different way. I didn't find the ability to hit it again and again and again and again like I had when I first bought the game. But I had an appreciation of the technicalities, the... Uh, utilization of certain weapons for certain enemies and uh, spacing and it's uh, it's something that when you watch someone play, you see new things all the time that you miss when you play so uh, in our uh, Slack channel there was a video posted of a near perfect run on Experienced mm. and I watched this and it looked so easy it looked <laughs> effortless yeah. And this is the kind of game where it absolutely isn't because it's taken an insane amount of practice and knowledge to learn all the hidden beacons, all the hidden level exits, the hidden uh, humans to save. You know, there's all these intricacies where all the uh, limited time enemies come into the level, you know, there's, there's so much there. And you go in and you go in with this attitude of, well, I saw someone else do it and it was effortless and then you try it and your fingers and thumbs and you know you're dying over and over again you're like well, what the hell but then suddenly you'll hit that one round where you hit that perfect zen place where you're not in control of what you're doing but everything goes perfect and when that happens there is no better feeling in all of gaming it's what we mentioned on the tetra show you hit that zen effect and things just happen and Gaming is beautiful and time slows and it's indescribable. And this is one of those games that can get you in that, that place. And it does it so well. It's so responsive. It's pretty to look at. There's different enemies, the different weapons, the balance, the uh, the features like the feats that came into the game, things flashing up, you know, scoreboards. It's just insanely wonderful. It is Purest arcade meets, you know, modern day gaming development and it's brought together and it's created what is quite honestly a masterpiece. And the if this is what they go out on, you know, let, let let's forget Matterfall because they were kind of they were both in development at the same time. But this if this is the last great game mm. that they create in that arcade style, then what a way to go out on, because this game is incredible. Whether you get it for a pound free, £4 in a sale, 16 quid, or if it was more expensive, it would be worth every single penny of that because the true care that went into every element of this game is just absolutely yardstick for the genre. This game is just close to perfection. I don't really want to use that term again because it's lazy, but my God, this game is so special.
0: I always like to start with the most negative one. So, uh, <laughs> uh, nice one there. Um, only, it's
2: going only going up from here. <laughs> yeah, goodness me. <laughs> let's let's try and
0: find more hyperboles. <laughs> yeah, the hyper the hyperboleometer is off the charts for this uh, this caner rinse. But frankly, uh, I, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, Mikil. Yeah. yeah. Um. Actually, I feel a little bit conflicted about next Machina.
2: On one hand, I you think... you should have gone it, first, shouldn't you? Oh well. Yeah, for sure. On one hand, I think it's probably the best modern era twin stick shooter I've ever played. Uh, I think it's brilliant on so many levels. I think the involvement of Eugene Jarvis uh, also, uh, yeah, shouldn't shouldn't uh, go undiscussed. There, they they bounced off many ideas off of him, and he gave gave lots of uh, advice on uh, on how to fine tune everything in the game. And in that sense, it's yeah, a fantastic spiritual successor to Smash TV, basically. Or maybe, yeah, maybe Robotron is more apt because of the element of the, uh, rescuing the humans. But I think it lo- for me. It loses something. It goes off the track a little bit uh, in the scoring system, uh, where I think it loses its focus a little bit of uh, you know the 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 element of finding seek uh, having to find secrets to to get an optimal run. Um, so it, it it's yeah you, you it's sort of that that always breaks me out of my flow of just the the pure mul- keeping the multiplier going and uh and and surviving so yeah I, it never feels quite intuitive uh, enough for me so that that's what put me off of the game but still i really enjoyed coming back to it this week again and there is so much brilliance to be found in it and there's so much to discover and in a sense i also have to sort of begrudgingly admit that all the secrets in the levels is kind of cool and kind of you know it, it kind of <laughs> it, it kind of breaks with genre conventions a little bit in an, uh, in an interesting way so would i recommend next machina well even within the the sh- the two D shooting faithful, there are many conflicting opinions. So it's it's difficult for, uh, for me, but definitely give it a try. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, that, <laughs> just just give it a try and see how you get along with it. Uh, if you, if you do, I think there's. Yeah, basically an unlimited amount of uh, of uh, time, game,
0: game playing time that you can get out of it. Well, I definitely put you guys in the wrong order. Uh, I
1: <laughs> When someone says it's brilliant and that's the negative. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh,
0: yes, I would also absolutely cite Next Machina as one of my personal favourite games of 2017. That was a year that included the likes of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey, uh, among others. And yeah I was lucky enough to get this game for free or in return for a review and uh yeah I remember actually it was one of those where I was just having such a good thumping good time with it I actually said to my partner who's you know not massively into games but likes it when I'm doing stuff that I enjoy I was I remember saying you know this game is amazing I've got this really I've got this really awesome game for free uh yeah it's I think. Next Machina is the kind of ultimate evolution of the genre that it is a tribute to. Uh, and I can't say much more about it than that, really. If you've never enjoyed a top down twin stick shooter, maybe this one also won't sell you on the idea of it. Or maybe it will, because there is so much going on and there are multiple ways to play this. Whether you want to stretch yourself in terms of uh, memorising everything and executing and troubling the leaderboards that's i think where this game really shines but as we've heard there is also a lot of fun to be had by just simply playing through the game treating it as a level to level you know old school arcade blaster and just trying to do as well as you can and get to the end maybe not use all 99 continues or whatever you get but uh, and just yeah just play it for the fun of shooting stuff and listening to the cool tunes and feeling those enemies pop uh, at the behest of your wide spread very responsive and powerful laser weaponry, so yeah, uh I think next machina is also a modern masterpiece uh of it of its I guess it's a niche game in the modern world, but uh, I don't really care those people who like playing multiple genres of game check it out. Why haven't you bought it already? especially now it's cheap a lot of the time. next machina is awesome, Darren
3: yeah, so every now and again I'll try genres that I'm not over overly familiar with. And next, Mac and I fell at the right time with the right amount of people saying the right amount of stuff. So I picked it up and had no regrets. You know, I played it for a, a shortish time. Yeah, I went on launch, and yeah, I've, I found myself enjoying the experience very much. And I put it down, and then I saw it come up for this volume, and I was like, "Oh, I'm actually really excited to play it again." And, you know, I have said at the start of this podcast that you could kind of strip everything back visually, um, not audibly, but visually, and you, you'd still have a very good game. And that speaks to just how well the game plays. I think it's absolutely crucial. Um, you know, that the game plays as well as it does. And that that facilitates people like Simon Sloth and myself and Camille, you know, like the opposite end of the spectrum. Like a game that plays so well can feed two completely different gameplay styles. And that's, you know, that's that's down to the design and the mechanics that go with it. So, yeah, it's an absolutely kind of, it's kind of impeccable, you know, in in, in the way it's um, executed on a from a gameplay point of view. And for me, that is where games oh that's where the, that's that's the core of the game for me is how it plays and next machina plays yeah second to none um I, you know and playing this um after a year or a year and a half's worth of hiatus it's kind of made me understand the genre a bit more and that's you know that's even that's just powerful stuff and it's inspired me to go and check out some other games and i'll in the same genre and i'll keep trying and i'll keep cracking at these um genres that i don't generally click with but hopefully with more knowledge and wealth from the games that are the cream of the crop and i do think this is uh you know um a cream of the crop for the genre even though i don't find it as grippingly addictive as other games you know what i mean uh, just because i don't play it every minute of the day doesn't mean i don't like it uh, but yeah i recommend this wholeheartedly for for everyone who well for everyone who's playing on playstation 4 and pc
0: <laughs> unequivocally all right well that's a strong recommendation for next machina with our first podcast back of 2019 remains for me leon to thank darren car and mikhil as well as our correspondents editor jay and to all of you for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support us as we make another 49 of these over the coming year, you can help out at patreon.com slash Rinse. We put an enormous amount of time and effort into everything that we do and your backing is very useful. Uh, we often extend podcasts for Patreon listeners as well. Uh, this one may be a little extra than the two hour cut if you give us a dollar a month and you get them earlier too. I mean. And a monthly podcast, which is now like a full-blown long podcast. So, can't say fairer than that. Next time, in issue 352, what did your daddy do? Was he a coal miner? Does he stink of the lamp? Oh, and how quickly the boys found you. All those sticky, tedious fumblings in the back seats of cars. While you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the FBI. Virginia.